0: Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year, Tom. Happy New Year, Tom. Happy New Year, Kenny. Happy Thank New Year, Dave. Thanks, man. Did you watch anything good over Christmas and New Year? Anything interesting? I watched,
1: as I usually do, Gremlins and On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which are two of my favourite films. I saw Gremlins on the Flicks just before Christmas. Did you? Yeah.
0: Has it been released?
1: It was just, just a one-off thing right. before Christmas, yeah. Tremendous.
0: We really must do a Power of Three podcast on James Bond films. Yes, because um, I've got things to say about on my secret service <laughs> I can imagine what sort of things we're going down the line of Theme tunes great the tunes is, is brilliant Let's, let's not, we can get drawn into yes, that yes. particular world we'll Let's have our, yes. our power
1: of 007 later in the year
0: My favourite thing over Christmas was Dracula Oh yes, I did I, watch I, that I too I thought it was brilliant I know you're not a huge fan of The Moth, uh, David It was correct did you, did, you see my, did you see my tweets when I was, as I was watching it? No I don't watch anybody's social right. media while I'm watching because mm. I was uh, like, a couple of days behind watching right, it, and okay, then like it's spoiled. Well, what did you say?
2: Just the, I, thought the, I thought the second episode was really good. I enjoyed the second episode. On the boat. Yeah, um, you know, expanded that whole sequence from the book quite nicely. I I overall, though, I didn't like it. I it was for me, it was just. Um, it came over as just another wasted opportunity, and much the way that I feel now about when they did Sherlock. I just felt that it was. Um, it was just too Moffity and perhaps I'll, I'll leave it at that. Oh, <laughs> Very
0: unfair. Well, just, it was Moffity which is what I like. Well, about you know, it. I just felt
2: the last oh, episode was just it was just so lacking, so, like so much of it, it was just really lacking in in actual incident. It was just people standing around talking, and he, the lead character was written, and that really sort of. Smarty Boots tight way that he often wrote Sherlock and often wrote the Eleventh Doctor and I just I can't get I'm at the point now with, with his stuff and I can't get past that. That stuff just flags me up and winds me up. You like this. It it I enjoyed looks it. I think I thought it really does. As,
1: as Dave says it looks great. Um, I thought Klaus Bang, which is a wonderful name, I yeah. uh, was absolutely superb in the makeup on, particularly
0: watching as he gets younger in episode one, it was fantastic. I I I thought he he just stole every scene he was in. Uh, mm. He was just I'm undead and not unreasonable. I mean, I just love that line. Mm-hmm. And they used it so much during the, the trailers. I just thought anything else catch your attention over Christmas? Um
2: I watched Flight of the Doves on Christmas Day on Talking Pictures T V. That was tremendous. I've never heard of it. It's a movie with um Ron Moody and Jack Wilde. It was just mm-hmm. it was it was lovely. It was it was really nice. Ron Moody basically plays a sort of evil uncle who's chasing these kids and he's a he's a master of disguise. So Ron plays about
0: so two, two, five or
2: six different
1: characters. Two of the from
0: actors from Oliver. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh-huh. That's a big part The other of the thing adventure. that
1: I watched was the Banana Splits movie I watched oh, that in wow. That new version The new version Oh right Oh a new version oh, oh yes Obviously you, was... you don't know about this No now. I don't What we have is the Banana Splits It's played as if the, sh- the TV show is still going After all these years And there's a kid who goes along to watch it on his birthday But it turns out that the Banana Splits are actually robots And they go mad And want to kill everyone in the audience when the show gets cancelled and it's a semi-horror film with blood, guts, gore, people getting dismembered, and it's all been done by the Banana Splits. I haven't seen it, I'd like to, though.
0: Aye, I, 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 I'd like, I was keen to see it until about well, 15 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, Flegel, Bingo, Drooper and
1: Snorky have a new life altogether. Interesting. Okay. I, didn't, I, I, haven't, I haven't
2: recorded, but I haven't watched it yet. Did either of you watch Wurzel Gummidge?
1: yes no not yet right. very good yeah very good i wouldn't yeah. say much to ruin it but mckenzie group is superb yeah good vibes but I just
2: oh, for a lot of seen i'm not been too busy having the type to sit down and, so, and watch it so, so you're,
0: you're quite happy to trample on the dirt of john Pertwee's grave then
1: i enjoyed watching it it was very much a homage it's very much well, from, what, from what I've heard it's um it's you know it's, it's done its own thing. It's it hasn't tried to,
2: to copy Johnsy's stuff in any way, it's kind of maybe taken its lead from the books. Yeah, it's, it's definitely led
1: by the books, but there's been here yeah. and there that, that are done with a lot of affection and it's it's very much it's tonally different, but obviously the same. But the thing that I missed the most was Charlotte Coleman because I had, she was my first T V crush. The late Charlotte Coleman. And right. So sad when she died.
0: So. so did you watch the new Doctor Who, David? Yes. Yeah, I thought
2: it was good. Um, New Year's Day episode was um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, 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 I you know, I've said this many times. If if J W had worked in i V, I'd be doing the rotum, and putting us in the same lunch. <laughs> yeah, the um, I'd, I'd had it spoiled about. I wouldn't you know. In case anyone else hasn't seen the episode yet, I'd had it spoiled about certain casting sort of um. Pop the master. Shh. I've had. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's out there, Davey. Yeah, even though I'd heard rumours I didn't see it coming I it was terrific I liked the Wizard of Oz reference I liked Jodie playing cards in the casino um, I loved the, the timey-wimey stuff of episode 2 Yeah, it was great Better than episode 3 Episode 3 was a bit flat for me Now will
0: you This is going to edit it out I now need you to ask me if I've watched it Tom, did you, have you, what do you think of the new series of Doctor Who so far? I haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> Jarring Cacophony, tells you're listening to the Power of Three podcast, back for 2020, with three lifelong Doctor Who fans, and I'll introduce them to you shortly again, discuss and occasionally criticise a trio of products related to our favourite show. And that might be blah, 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 blah. You, you know the sketch by now. Uh, now, introduce my co-conspirators. Say hello, David. Hello, everyone. David here. And Happy New Year, sir. sir. Yes, and Happy New Year, Tom. Happy, Happy New Year to everyone listening. And Kenny, hello. Hello, I'm Kenny. Basically, run. <laughs> <laughs> Have you enjoyed your bacon rolls? This oh, well, always, always some. Right. Yeah. We're going to be talking about three things this week. Oh, well, there's a change. Funny enough, for the first time, we're going to be looking at three consecutively broadcast adventures, uh, and the first and third of which were broadcast sixteen years apart, which is unusual. Mm-hmm. Good idea, uh, Davy. Yeah. So we'll start with survival
2: my doctor an unexpected pleasure run doctor run don't run
1: <laughs> no Patterson <laughs>
2: I was relying on your intelligence, Doctor. It would be such an uncivilized death. Just playing with it. You're essentially a fun-loving species. So I shall, I shall read what it says on TARDIS fandom wiki, etc. Um, <clears throat> Survival was the fourth and final serial of season 26 of Doctor Who. and We can't argue with that. That's true. As a TV show, Doctor Who would not see any regular airings for 16 years. The next story in the show to be part of a regularly airing programme would be Rose, broadcast in 2005. The story would finally mark the undoing of Doctor Who's cancellation, though taking place significantly later in the Doctor's life. Um, Which I didn't understand what they yeah, are talking about. I think it, basically yeah. it's yeah. We know that Rose was was a con- you know. Anyway, moving on. swiftly it on. Priorities. Um, I'm I'm coming soon. Actually, it's it's um I'm publishing it myself independently. Um, it's my 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 take on every single TARDIS fandom wiki entry. <laughs> um, look look out for that. Anyway, Survival marks the final appearance of Sophie Aldred as Ace in a regular television serial, although she would reappear for the special 1993 Children in Need special Dimensions in Time. Bzzz! Repetition for special there. It was also the last time that Anthony Ainley appeared as the Master in a regular televised story. He appeared one more time in the video game Destiny of the Doctors. Ainley's final portrayal of the Master in the original series is considerably different, subtle and darker (laughs) than the often bombastic and forceful impression he'd been told to deliver since Legopolis. Right, okay. Um, Ainley had always intended to, p- to portray the Master with this calmer characterization. Lisa Bowerman would ironically make her debut in Doctor Who during its final classic episode as Kara. However, she would later become more widely recognisable for her portrayal as Bernice Summerfield in Big Finish Audio Adventures, a character introduced in and adapted from the Virgin New Adventures novels which continued the series and the adventures of the Seventh Doctor in printed format. Survival, eh? Yeah.
0: Mm. I think you're going to be surprised. At what I've well, got to say so, about it. some context. Mm. I gave up uh, on Doctor Who in the twenty fifth season. Really? Right. Yeah. At mm. the end of that, so I haven't watched any of the twenty sixth season. This is the first time wow. I've ever watched any of the twenty sixth season. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I didn't watch it and think, "Oh God, I missed out." <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, I thought there was there were bits. In I, mean, I I like Rob Shearman and Toby Haddock's approach in running through corridors. They try deliberately. They they find themselves criticising sometimes, but they find but the the point of it is to look for the good in every adventure and every episode. And I like that approach. I think twenty twenty. Let's unite and be kind and say as many positive things as we can. I like that. Things. That's a good attitude. Yep. Uh but true. I I will I will, f- fall Oops. afoul of my own room we'll I say what you like. We're all friends here. McCoy didn't annoy me quite as much okay, That's as a real thing Coming from Utah. So there, there we are. I still don't understand what he's trying to do with his voice, either in this or in the audio adventures. Is he trying to be Scottish or is he trying to be English or is he just a Scot who can't do an English accent, which I suspect is the case. Because he, he'll sometimes pronounce words that are clearly intended to be an English pronunciation, but the rest of the time he just thinks that. He's, he's, he's always had
2: a, some of I know put it once very well. It's, it's a very a peculiarly emphatic delivery you know the emphasis that he can put but he has a very odd rhythm at times yeah
0: but he was okay in it you know unlike in uh, Time of the Rani which is you know one of the more recent ones we've discussed Mm. which still enrages me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) unlike in that he wasn't distracting from the rest of the story, so that's, okay, I suppose, a sure. good thing. I, I like the idea of going back from where you're from and all your friends uh, that you used to hire in with are gone and then you find out why they're gone. Um, beyond that, the plot makes no sense at all. I mean, there's just... This idea that the planet of the, of the Cheetah people is being destroyed because the Cheetah people themselves are fighting each other. They're really? You know, An emotional uh, resonance, Tom. Well... And also, so I've made a few notes. Um, I said the cheetah people don't look very threatening, but I do like the costumes. I think I saw somebody criticise the costumes. Actually, the costumes I thought were pretty good. There often wasn't much of a budget for location filming, mm. but. Interestingly, it's all location filming. There's mm-hmm. no studio filming in any yeah. of it, which, yeah. which it I which I thought was unusual. I think
1: with the stuff from the planet, the Cheetah people, it looks bloody hot. It looks like it can be. Yeah, yeah. it's not your typical like quarry. Yeah. They've,
0: they've done a the mat with the, yeah. with the background the and the, the sky. Box, like I stuff. believe the technology was called right. at the time. Paint yes. box.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um Fenwick was entirely a location as well, wasn't it? It was I mean, indeed. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was a thing we kind of moved towards quite a lot. Uh,
0: and I wrote well. this. I said the plot is rubbish. If you can only get from the cheetah planet to Earth when you're joined to a hunting cheetah person, how did the Doctor return in the middle of his fight with the Master?
1: Ah, this was all part of the Cartmo master plan. <coughs> the Doctor is far more than just the Time Lord. Is that oh, it? Oh, no, that's, that's a cool it, so that's, there's when the Master Hi. Because there was a line along the Master said along the lines of, what are you? And uh, that was the, cut, wasn't and it? it was, and that was cut. Um, so we may find out what
2: that is in the box. I haven't always interpreted that, but it's either the Master sent him away or the pull from from Sophie and the TARDIS was strong enough to bring him back. It's something like, you're right, it's not very
1: clear. It, or um, the Doctor's going home to Earth, which is virtually yeah. own, really really.
0: Yeah. Well, because he's half-human. We'll get on to that. Yes, indeed. some <laughs> other time. Spoilers. I, I wrote here, and this is, this is only just an Aide memoir, rather sure. than an actual opinion. It's, I say, Anthony Ainley can't act. Now, I don't really mean that, because he was great in The Land That Time Forgot, mm. but... It is true. You're you know you're reading at the the the, the page from the onwards. He's he's just an old, you know. Sometimes, um,
2: sometimes yeah, but I mean, I, I can't. I wouldn't totally over. it. I wouldn't want to write him off completely. I mean, look at the poetry in your Castrovalva. Yeah, you know, that's an excellent point. Yeah, when he's portraying b- yeah. somebody
0: else, he's fine, but when he's playing the master, um, he totally are, overacts.
2: There so are, there are sort of, you know, he's he's very much doing it as a moustache twirling, you know, yeah. twirling body. Um, if I'm, you look
0: at the subtlety of Roger Delgado, yeah, oh yeah, effortless charm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think there's I, no charm in Anthony. Ailey's I think master.
2: I think he's I think by that point because he's probably he's playing him like that because he probably is actually unhinged. You know, he's it's you know.
0: What in real life? Well, not just he the, the master. lost think both involved. I would have said yeah. actually. Well, um, but in this one, um, it's the first time I've seen Ainley's master for a very long time. So, uh, I was struck about how he had calmed down a bit. Mm-hmm. He was on Ritalin or something. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I, I found that. I think he's,
2: uh, I think he's really good in survival. No, I, I thought it was much better. Yeah.
0: He, he just didn't. Hammer around or that yeah, much there's better. There's not too much um, teeth gnashing and
1: snarling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm
2: definitely. Well, there, there, definitely is, there, there is. a little bit because he's turning into a cheetah person. Oh, <laughs> very true. But no, he's he's yeah. There's, there's some moments when I think you probably he is you know he is actually doing some acting. You know, he's, he's telling you. Know, he's given better material. He's given a bit with more with to do.
1: Somebody yeah. who's actually a proper writer. However, let's
0: let us let us move to the denouement. Yes, let's move to the group of young people. In the youth club. <laughs> now, for, for, for those um, under the age of 40, a youth club is a, a, an ancient idea that young people would congregate in a community centre or a church hall to play t- table tennis rather than going out into the streets rather and having a drink. Rather the streets drinking, yeah. it's <laughs> such a street bizarre street,
2: idea. Just walking the streets as we did in Fox Bar.
0: And, uh, you know, so the master recruits his heavies. Now, his heavies... Make the men from the Beat It video look macho. <laughs> Desperate they, but not serious. But these yeah. guys do not look as if, you know, you're not going to approach them in the street and think, oh, James, I better cross the road. <laughs> these guys are wimps and they are laughable as heavies. They really are. And what on earth? When you're writing the scene where the doctor and the other bloke are, are on the motorbikes, on the motorbikes yes, and they're they're doing the duel. They're playing chicken motorbikes. Does somebody who ever wrote this, Rona?
1: Rona Monroe from Aberdeen.
0: Does she think that um, when two motorbikes collide, they explode? Is uh, that what but, she thinks? But but there's an ejector seat in there, Tom. But you can see the doctors modified it. Well, obviously, all motorbikes have ejector seats, but I was, Do I, they? was I was talking about the. The explosion. I yeah. mean, it was a good explosion. It was good to have explosions in Doctor Who, but my goodness, it must have been a the, the, the bikes weren't even that big. I mean, they weren't monsters.
2: They probably weren't going that quickly either. No. What, that's what about right. um? What did you think of Sylvester any up on un, uninjured face? You know, head upside down on, a, on an old couch. What did you think? Of oh that? yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: that's yeah.
2: the seat saving him. There was um. There was a nice bit of retroactive continuity in one of the comic strips when um. It was revealed that the sixth doctor had placed that couch there for him at the, the seventh doctor's request. That was some of the nice sort of, nice sort of sixth and seventh
0: doctor playing against each other stuff that happened for a while. Well, I, I had written in my notes, <clears throat> motorbikes, what the <laughs> f***? There's a guy who I, uh, who commented uh, when I tweeted about watching Survival. yes. And he said, he's, he's, his name is Disabused Catholic, but his Twitter handle is at barebrexit. Brexit. <laughs> bear as in animal Brexit mm. um, he says <clears throat> I liked a lot about survival but ultimately there was something teenage theatre workshop about it all especially the script for part three and the less said about the motorbikes the better that's a pretty good summary
2: you could say that about a lot of a lot of
0: Cartmell's Doctor Who
2: stuff to be honest it's, 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 it's quite self-consciously nowadays you might say woke I'm saying that as if I'm critical I'm not I'm a huge huge fan of and his. And his I, mean, I was seeing someone yesterday that i um, or maybe the day before, I I loved his, the new Adventures novels that he wrote. absolutely devoured them. And I think he was, he was very good for Doctor Who.
0: There was another comment that I received on Twitter from James Hellyer, uh, who can be found at James underscore hellier, which is spelled H-E-L-L-E-Y-E-R. And he says, Good score. Great master. Love the location work. Nice lesbian subtext wonderful alien world almost universally dreadful acting terrible costume design <laughs> which again is a pretty fair summary. just as you I think it's a
1: great score I think Dominic Glenn is possibly one of Dominic Glenn's best scores Yeah nice bit of guitar Yeah, for Jim gives yeah. That. and I noticed the, kind of
0: I feeling. noticed the guitar work and I wrote that the, the 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 music is good but it won't age well and it hasn't aged well I just uh, it was very 1980s yeah I think also, looking through the characters, I think
1: Kara is an interesting character, obviously the fact that we get to see that many of the cheetah people have obviously been human, have been kidnapped and they've given in to their nature and yeah. the violent nature and transformed into cheetah people. And Lisa Bowerman gives a really good performance. You can see why Big Finish were interested in her to play Benny. Um, I think it feels very 80s, and obviously there's a, the whole survival of the fittest, echoing the, the concept of the government of the time as well thing that's going on and who's going to come out on top and obviously it's ultimately we get it between the Doctor and the Master by the end when everybody else has been cast aside and it seems to be the Doctor who's won and the Master disappears but I I I, I quite like survival I think it's it's not one that I would go to I've got a friend who's was one of his very very favourite Doctor Who's it's one that I'd quite happily put on you know, leave it on his background, something like that. It's not one that I would as be a first choice. I'm going to watch that because I'm in the mood for a Doctor Who. You know, mm. Quite happily put it on. It's very much, uh, I don't know, it's not It's not one of the comfort blanket stories, It's, but it's one that it's comfortable viewing without being too challenging.
0: There's um, a, a little plug, not a plug, but a, something I wanted to talk about because a lot of Doctor Who fans will be interested in the fact that Britbox you know, the new online streaming service, probably sure, yes. by BBC and ITV, introduced Doctor Who classics over Christmas. And within, I think, a day, uh, the number of downloads on Doctor Who had outnumbered the number of downloads for everything else on Britbox, <laughs> apart <laughs> yeah. from Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, so I signed up to it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and it's brilliant. and it's You can't get subtitles, I think, which is a bit of a... Mm. Um, I don't usually use subtitles and Doctor anyway, but I just noticed there was a news story about deaf people saying that they feel a bit left behind on that. If anyone has listening to this, or if any of you two guys watch Britbox, can you please watch Mask of Mandragora episode one? Okay. Because On, on Britbox? On Britbox. <clears throat> because it's the only episode I've found, it was the first one I watched, and the screen is completely skewed. You can only see half of the screen. Okay, and and so it only happens on episode one of Mandragora, and it's really... Very
1: annoying. Talking of Britbox, Tom, just before you move on, one of the most bizarre experiences was, I had over Christmas was just watching ITV2. I can't remember what it was on. It was probably Botched or something like that. And then all of a sudden, on comes an advert for Doctor Who on ITV. The most bizarre thing going. Oh, right. Great advert for Britbox. Tons of TV movie stuff. And, and it actually looked really, really good. Whoever put it together, well done. Really good piece. Apart my from
0: attention. I don't, I don't get it. No, that wasn't his joke. Oh, see, uh, right. well, he's leaving his in hooks. We have yeah. to speed. I mean, I'm, yeah. si- I'm sitting here all nervous and tense, waiting for the joke. No, to Tom, can it. just oh, interrupt oh, you there, just for a wee
2: I want to
1: talk about survival. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you this question: <laughs> What is the doctor's favourite frothy pint? <sighs> I don't know, Ken. What's the doctor's favourite frothy pint? Beerhead. From space. So survival, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, as as anyone
2: who's listened to earlier episodes will know that I'm I'm quite a fan of Sylvester's first series, and it's kind of similar to the eleventh doctor in that I rate, I basically enjoy and rate series and, and return to them in sort of broadcast order. I I remember at the time of season twenty six, I hated Battlefield and just couldn't wait for it to finish. Um, is that right? Yeah. And Ghostlight and Curse of Fenric were just, as someone else has said, just one scripted, or maybe two scripted, edits away from being, you know, decent. Well, not decent, but they're both, I remember, both slightly baffling. So what Survival has, it is at least it's fairly sort of linear and straightforward. You, you can tell it hasn't been sort of cut to bits to, to fit the time slot. I, at the time, and it's interesting, at the time I, I kind of resented the... um the, the the how the story focus a lot of time shifted onto Ace and how Ace was sort of reacting to a lot of the stories and this may be very retrograde of me but I always felt that the, I enjoyed it more when the 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 focus was on the plot rather than you know how the characters were sort of feeling and it's an interesting story. watching it again the other week there in in sort of isolation sort of divorced from the rest of the series it kind of it left me it left me cold in a way that it's never done before I was kind of struck by um, but I was struck by how aloof the Doctor was I'd never really met I would kind of forgotten how yeah. How distant he is. There's, there's, He doesn't get too many moments of sort of cuddly uncle charm. Yeah. And and I remember at the time sort of, thinking, uh, it it felt a bit forced at the time. You know, Sylvester talked about how, you know talks often about in his last series he was doing a bit more about what he wanted to do, getting away from that, you know. <laughs> but no, it's it's it was interesting watching again. I would agree with him. Sort of said about Anthony Ailey being a lot better. It gives him you know you can tell that. Uh, did he just go in thinking he was going to try and do it differently, or was he kind of directed to do it differently? Or given it was weird because I, I liked it less than I had done previously, and I was surprised at how much I liked it less. I was kind of watching it, and I kind of thought this is leaving me a bit cold in the way it hasn't done before.
0: But again, maybe that's because I wasn't watching it as part of a big yeah, watch through. It was kind of, um, I suppose it stayed in the to say that there was a lot of silliness given that it was a planet no. of cheetah people. Uh, who ride horses, very kind of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, that's true. true, But one silly thing is when Kara entices Ace away from the rest of the humans and Kara has, by this point, jumped off her horse and says to Ace, come away with me. So they both run off together, leaving the horse right there. Now, what kind of cheetah person leaves their horse behind and they just decide but to the, run over the dunes? But horses Why? are intelligent as well. You've
1: got to remember if you've got intelligent cheetahs, you must have
0: intelligent well, horses. Well, but then you know, should have horse people.
2: Where did they? Um, well. Where did the horses come from? Did they breed them? Why are they not just eating the horses? Yeah, that, that's probably in the edit that we'll get in the <laughs> Blu-ray boxes. <set. laughs> or it's in the, <horse and> the <laughs> cheetah people. The sun, yeah. ripping,
0: ripping a leg off. Um, <laughs> well, I, I'm going to watch well, the rest have of the can Have they ever returned
2: to the planet of the cheetah people? Or no, though? they haven't. Right. Although, it's interesting though, you've got... I know they picked up on the master transforming into a cheetah person they picked up on that in the new adventures but no,
1: i think happen. i think, no, I, think um, I think the first frontier novel deals with it but no <laughs> not my favorite one and i think it's quite interesting with the fact you've got the thrust of the story is all about a compa- the core of it is all about the companion and their life in con- a contemporary london suburb yes which is quite an interesting idea I don't nice. ever come back to that yeah then. maybe we should in some <laughs> stories time. so where were we both in 1989 where were you in 1989, I was in halfway through third year at school. Yep. Um, and watching every episode, although I missed episode three of Battlefield because I was at Hamden to watch Aberdeen beat Celtic 1 0 in the Scottish League Cup semi final. Ian Cameron scored beautiful goal, <laughs> find it on YouTube. Um, wow. But I watched every other episode as live.
2: Yeah,
0: I was in fifth year, halfway through fifth year, and absolutely hating life. So there we are. 1989, I was working at the Paisley Dale Express. And did you? Know, what was
1: that writer guy you used to talk to? What was his name? What, it was something like something like a gang? You watched about a gang or
0: something? Steve. Was a gang in a youth club. Steve. Somebody. Um. Yeah, I can't remember his name. Obviously, just disappeared from. The, yeah,
2: I, I remember from a couple had been a few years above me at school, but I'm
1: not sure what happened to him. Well, that's enough of that. Let's move on to something else, <laughs> shall we? Uh,
0: da Vinci. He had a cold when he drew
1: that. You're still fibrillating badly. No, I'm not. I remember, I was with Pacini before he died. Name dropping. I was, I was, I was. Shh.
2: Oh, my God.
1: You see, that's no echo. He died before he could finish Turando. Alfano finished it based on his notes. It was so sad. You
0: have two hearts. Uh, who are you?
2: I was dead too long this time. The anesthetic
1: almost destroyed the regenerative process. Yeah. Right. I- I'm gonna get a syringe. I'm yes. gonna take no, some no, no, blood. No, 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 I don't know what's going Grace, on. Grace, 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 Grace. Don't you see? I have 13 lives. Please! <laughs> okay, you're trying to tell me that you've come back from the dead. Yes. No, I'm sorry. The dead stay dead. You can't turn back time. Yes, you can. I'm not a child. Don't talk to me like I'm a child. Only children believe that crap. I am a doctor.
0: But it was a childish dream that made you a doctor. You dreamt you could hold back death. Isn't that true? After survival, the next adventure broadcast on TV was thus. Doctor Who was a made-for TV movie based on the original series. It was written by Matthew Jacobs, directed by Jeffrey Sachs, and featured Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor, Daphne Ashbrook as Grace Holloway, and Eric Roberts as the Master. It was made as an attempt to relaunch and continue the Doctor Who television franchise in the UK and abroad with no on-screen title other than Doctor Who. Home video releases of the film from BBC Video are marketed under the title Doctor Who the Movie. It featured Sylvester McCoy's final chronological appearance as the Seventh Doctor and his regeneration. A large period of time is implied to have passed since survival, well it had, as the Seventh Doctor um, has parted with his his companion Ace and is visibly older, is dressed differently and is travelling alone. This story marked the return of the Doctor's sonic screwdriver for the first time in 14 years since 1982's The Visitation. This would be the last televised story of Doctor Who until 2005's Rose leaving a nine-year gap. Even though the movie failed to get Doctor Who renewed as a television series, the series was kept alive through comics, novels, and audio stories of the Eighth Doctor's adventures. Actually, there that, that was other Doctor's adventures as well. It wasn't just the Eighth Doctor's. No, no that's, that's great. Well, um, well 1999 had legacy of time. That was Davison, yeah, McCoy, um, and science, yeah. I think it's
1: I think it's sort of saying it sort of gave a new shot in the arm for New Doctors, what it's I Eighth see, Film was co
0: blah, 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 blah,
1: anyway. So the TV movie, I, um, uh, I recognize this has huge flaws throughout it, but it's one for which I have a, an awful lot of affection. Um, I remember following the pre-production of this, I got the original press release faxed to me when I was at the East Kilbride News uh, and got through the press release, which originally Grace was originally called Grace Kelly in the press release so I was slightly surprised when we discovered that that wasn't her actual surname um so followed this one with great interest went to the monopticon convention where Philip Sigal was there and right. somebody asked him about because he showed some pictures of the TARDIS console room he played just the an advanced version of the theme tune and uh, I remember somebody asking about the console thing saying it, it looks like it's made out of wood <laughs> and replied it's mahogany, which is something that's stupid but stuck in my mind. <laughs> how, how long before the transmission was that a convention? Uh, that was at the Easter, so it'll be about a month and a half. Okay? okay, And then, of course, it was finally released on video before it went on telly on the 22nd of May, 1996. And quite a few of us were through in Edinburgh to queue up an HMV to get it for the midnight opening. And there was quite a few of us around the pub for ages, and then we just couldn't wait, so we left, I think it was about 20 past 11, we thought we'd better go and get in the queue, and there was actually quite a big queue mm-hmm. outside, as there was that level of expectation, and bought the video, and then went to watch it at my pal Cameron's so, house. So, so
2: you watched it on video,
1: you didn't wait for the TV oh, broadcast? no, no, I watched it on video. Oh, I'm I'm fine. Fine. i No, I waited, I,
2: I waited till it was on telly. I mm. bought an
0: HMV in Argyle Street right it didn't queue up but I, I went and got it before it was broadcast yeah and with the time I watched between, between the point I watched it and it being broadcast John Pertwee had died that's right yeah. that's so right. they added the, the tribute to him which we're getting the broadcast version which is very nice to, to be able to do
1: <coughs> that. It's, it's, and it's, it's lovely that they still do that now um, they have carried on yes then of course it was transmitted on Monday the 27th of May 1996 so positives from the TV movie, Paul McGann, without a doubt, he is instantly the Doctor he gives one of the best debut performances of any actor to play the Doctor. The look of it, it looks fantastic. Quite possibly, I don't think any episode has ever actually looked as good as this episode on screen. So well directed with pace and it's got a bit of wit and humour to it. But unfortunately where it's let down really is in the script. Where it's a hotch of rewrite after rewrite after rewrite with the TARDIS opening, with the Eye of Harmony, half-human on my mother's side. There's just so much thrown in there. But of course, the big problem is, if you're a casual viewer coming to Doctor Who for the first time, you're going to be thinking, what the hell is going on? Why is there this strange little man? What is that box going through space? There's nothing to correlate between them. Yeah, make it's, it it it's not the
2: best sort of introduction to new viewers. It's very much kind of... It,
1: Some ways it works better as a continuation rather than a a restart, doesn't it? It presumes there's a level of knowledge as to what everything is and and the fact that you know what Time Lords are, you know what regeneration is pretty much, and it's not very, very clear. I do think that perhaps it could have done with perhaps a a proper going over. I mean, because really, I mean, while it's lovely to have Sylvester in there giving actually. Quite probably his best performance as the doctor. See, I, 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 I just, I dispute that. I well, think, that's
2: wrong. No, no, I'm not seeing it wrong. I, I think he's he's actually. If you think about it, he's given very little to do. He has about half a dozen lines of dialogue. He doesn't get the chance to demonstrate, or, or he's, he's he's so passive. That's one of the the big sort of criticisms. But about I, think that it's, what, it's totally I think it's totally different. At the, at the time, it was. I, th- I think a lot of us were just so excited to see him back that we felt, "Oh, that's the best he's ever been," because we just we've been waiting for seven years to actually see him again. I, th- I think he's. I
1: think it's. I think he's terrific. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think you could say it's the best he's ever got. I think he's he's just so calm. There's there's almost like a stillness to him. So yeah, I put, that, that yeah. man who knows that he's at the end of his life, and he's he's just got yeah. a certain acceptance of what's going to happen. Well, I, I think it's it's maybe you know, So
2: are you are you going then from the the new adventures sort of sort of thing that he, maybe that he knew he was this was this was that coming from? Do you think he was. Or do you think it's just that maybe he was just a bit older, he's stuck as Time's Champion, was, yeah. was put to rest, and he, was, a think bit, he was just a bit more chill? his job's done, and yeah. he's pretty get, much... The you, fact that you he's, get he's that doing jobs from for
1: the Time Lords at the end says, obviously, this is a guy, I've done my job, I'm retired. It's like somebody who's had a job all their life, and then they go and take a job as a postie, so they've got something to do, so the Doctor's out there doing deeds for the Time Lords. I think
0: you have to take a step back from what the narrative is and what the, the story is, and accept that it was a misjudgment yeah. to introduce a brand-new show essentially, um, with <clears throat> so, so much of the baggage from the classic series. So, new you know, the whole point was to attract new viewers, it yeah. wasn't to please the fans. And yeah. I was I was delighted that Sylvester McCoy was in it, there was going to be regeneration, because yep. for yep. me that's Doctor Who. Yep. But my view as a fan didn't matter, it was, it was a ridiculous it, idea. It was... They should have introduced Paul McGann at the very beginning. No regeneration, some explanation about what the TARDIS is, but not too much exposition, and got on with the story.
1: I mean, you could almost have done it with McGann immediately post regeneration. He doesn't know who he is. Follow yeah. him as yeah, this we, guy finds out, find who out who he is, yeah. and we find out as he goes along the journey, and, and discovers.
2: But I mean, as, as you say, there's the details. I mean, when they've got the, the seal of Rassilon plaster all over the place and the amount of money that was spent on the the TARDIS set which you know, TARDIS TARDIS. TARDIS set, Which is, you know, which is insane. And, and it's it's been said it's been said many, many times. It's like um, you know, we're not the first people to make this observation that the script, you know, the script is a mess because it's 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 a case of too many cooks. I mm-hmm. thought I it's weird, I actually I expected for some reason in my head I expected to hate it this time. But you know, I think on you know, this rewatch I I really enjoyed it. I was struck by the um really struck me in a way that never had before just how horrible it is the way that Sylvester goes out. Mm-hmm. It's not because he's been shot, it's because of these people, they kill him on the operating table. Mm-hmm. I was really struck by how horrible that was. You know, once they've got rid of Sylvester, once they get into the, the mechanics what they're doing, it's so it has a real it sparkles, it's very effervescent. Paul is just tremendous, you know, Daphne Ashbrook is tremendous. Eric Roberts is having a great time. It's it it Speeds along. It just it's um yeah it's effort yeah effort Frankly, it's um it, I was really really struck by how despite that whole mid nineties X Files sort of look to the way it was with, sort of shot with X Files sci fi blue. Um, you know the blues and the oranges and the the you know the 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 professional lady sidekick with the bobbed red hair. You know, I I was struck at how warm it was. It's quite once once they as we say if they got to Paul McGann a bit sooner. I you know I was I was very surprised that how much enjoyed it and he hits he he's there. The word go. and the
0: regeneration is brilliant. He's he's Paul's just tremendous yeah. with, with the, the constant cuts between that and Frankenstein. Yeah, that yeah really I mean, incredible. that's that's that's
2: really that's that's great. I mean, it shows that it shows that someone was thinking about what they were doing, but,
0: but all of this could have been overcome if they got a decent plot.
2: This yeah. whole idea
0: about the, the changing of the, of the millennium. Uh, and the time travel nonsense and, yeah, and reality becoming, you know, disorder. Midnight of, Tonight, this planet with uh, people inside out. out yeah. yeah. It's, it's How all many a, times have we seen that, you know,
2: It's all about arbitrary in a lot of ways, isn't it? It's kind of. And it, you feel sorry for Matthew Jacobs because he's obviously capable, because there's some really good dialogue. You know, does she kiss as 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 good as me, as well as you? I mean, he's, I think if Matthew Jacobs had been left on his own rather than having to juggle Fox TV executives, um, BBC, you know. Well I think Fox was in, it was a network that showed it, wasn't it? And Universal put up. The um, ones, and, um and the, you know and BBC and the horrible thing if you watch the documentary on the on the on the DVD, there's I can't remember the name, Joe, someone from the BBC Joe Wright. who did not like Sylvester and apparently only conceded to him being involved if he wasn't allowed to say or do anything. And that's just horrible. I mean I know you I know you're not you you're not a fan <laughs> of, of of Dr. McCoy, but there's quite a few of us that I think he's great and you just sort of think how much how much better it would have been if he'd had the chance to maybe square up and talk to the master and have you know, and just you know now, do what he does, which is stand I'm sorry, up to it's, bad, not, it's you know? not
0: a judgment on McCoy at all. It's just it was a mistake to have two yes, doctors. Was, yeah. In it. It's, you know, It's sort of like They could
2: have done it in a flashback episode if it had gone to a series, if they really
0: wanted to. What know? I love about Doctor Who fandom, and that includes Tern's <laughs> <laughs> um, is that they looked at the, the television series and they, they tried desperately to get it into the canon of the classic series. Yes. And so the first Paul McGann novel that was brought out by BBC Books, The Eighth Doctors, which was released shortly after the film... And he couldn't just let it lie. (laughs) He couldn't just say, yeah, okay, let's just... It happened, but let's not talk about it. He has to to write. The doctor stood gazing down at the flat granite sculpture in the shape of the great closed eye. It wasn't Eye of Harmony at all, of course. Not, Not really, just a symbolic manifestation, an aspect of the Great Eye of Harmony on Gallifrey. Created by Omega, stabilised by Rassilon, that I held a trapped black hole. <laughs> and I thought, okay, he's he's gone that extra step. God, God bless Terence, um, because he's he the fan's fan. he's the yes. fan's greatest defender. Uh, but it's unnecessary, and it reminds me because we Ella me mentioned James Bond. It reminds me when John Gardner took over the writing of the official books, he decided that from license renewed they would be canon with the original Ian Fleming novels so this is a character who had been a commando during the second world war and was now driving a Saab 2000 or whatever it was in 1980 and it got to Licence to Kill which was a novelization of the movie and he and the producers asked John Gardner to write the the novelization but what they had done in License to Kill was introduce a few elements from the books, which is what they all do. And there's, an, there's a scene in License to Kill which is taken from the novel Live and Let Die, which is the second novel, where Felix Leiter is fed to a shark. So bearing in mind John Gardner is continuing the novels, in his novels Felix Leiter has already been fed to a shark by Mr Big in Live and Let Die in 1954. Um, now he's writing License to Kill and he's being fed to a shark again. <laughs> So the only way he gets round us is to say that the shark attacked his prosthetic leg. But <laughs> like you got to admire yeah. <laughs> I also
1: like him when he does Goldeneye, when there's Ormoth at the start and Bond's thinking, don't be so bloody melodramatic. You can tell that Gardner's not a fan of the movie style. Yes. Just um, one last thing about the, the TV movie. Back in 2000, I had a brain tumour operation and had it removed. I successfully had my checkup this week and it seems to be okay. But... I was getting the anaesthetic uh, to knock him out for him to remove the gas. So the mask was put over my face. Mr Smith. And um, <laughs> the words that went through my head before I passed out were, I'm not human, <laughs> I am not like you. Which if I'd died, those would have been quite crap last words in my head. Was I, my I loud. was going to say I say. didn't say them uh, out loud, but uh, yes, that would have been quite bad. I can, for I imagine, I can, I can imagine, imagine you were you say When like I you. was
0: four four, maybe five, maybe younger than that I was in the hospital for an operation um, and I got a general anaesthetic and the nurse in fact I, might, I must have been five and the nurse put the thing over my face and it's the only thing I remember about the operation it's her saying to me can you count down from ten to to one and then, and I was doing it and she said what's your favourite television programme and I said it's Doctor Who <laughs> and that's the last thing I remember oh, when I was oh. in consciousness and then waking up when I was sitting on my mum's knee Brilliant. So, yeah. so there we go. So where
1: um where were we in nineteen ninety six then, Jen? I had been at East Clubby News, for are just over here
0: and it was just around that time that I first met a certain Mr Harris for the first time. And I apologize. I mean I've, I've been mean to apologise to you for ever since. That's I was <laughs> actually this is partly because of the conversation I had with Moffat. <laughs> um, because we he's got this very cynical view and I, I, I like it a lot, which is, you know, if you, if you get confused about Doctor Who and everything, don't worry because it's all made up. Mm. If, there's a, if there's an inconsistency, like the High of Harmony, it's not because the Doctor got something wrong, it's because it was different writers who didn't know about Doctor Who. That's that's why. <laughs> and and I came into the office of East great News and I met you for the first time and we were both excited about the new film and you said something about the new out looked for the TARDIS and you said it's explained in the Gallifrey Chronicles the book about why it's all changed and I said I'll tell you why it's all changed because there'd actually money to spend on it <laughs> and it was really arrogant afterwards I thought well that was a bit nasty <clears throat> Kenny was just being enthusiastic about a show we both love why it was, was never taken as nasty well, good because it was, I, was, I was a bit arrogant <laughs>
2: I, was, I was working at Abbey National in 1996, I'd been there about a year at that point I was working the Victoria Road branch and hating life. So um. there we go. No, um, no. Yeah, remember, so I remember. Loving it that I remember very clearly the um the, Mr. Singh's news agent across the road from the branch and buying the Radio Times, you know, with the the share the cover with the X Files. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And then buying the one for the week of the TV movie itself. No, I was with Abbey National for about two years. There's a whole other. Story, so there we go. Tune in, tune in next week for um my my adjunct podcast of Abbey National memories.
0: In 1996, I was working as press officer for Glasgow City Council. which is probably the most boring job I ever had, it sounds it. Like when, when you say it out loud. <laughs> okay. uh, but I just started out with Carolyn, so um, I, I just remember we hadn't been going out that long when we took a wee trip into HMV and I got my the, the video of it. And we were both in the car when the news came on that Pertwee had died, I that. that's, that's and I was it, yeah. really sad. It mean, yeah. I, I, I was the most upset I think I'd ever been at any celebrity death.
2: I, yes, I remember it was one of the guys that I worked with in, in the um in the abbey that told me. It was because it was the Monday before, wasn't it? And Bruce coming through and sort of saying, you know, just could he, he'd had the radio on in, in his office or whatever, and he was just awesome. Band. I was like, oh, oh. I wish it someone else had told me, yeah, yeah. but no, yeah, it was quite, it was really sad, John's going, because they covered it on the news. and I
1: remember it on BBC News because it was immediately followed by the fact that Ian Rush had left Liverpool to sign for Leeds United. And then, uh, nine years later. They want to overthrow the human race and destroy you. Do you believe me? No. But you're still listening.
0: Really though, Doctor, tell me, who are you?
2: Do you know, like we were saying, about the Earth revolving? It's like when you're a kid, the first time they tell you that the world's turning, and you just can't quite believe it, because everything looks like it's standing still. I can feel it.
1: The turn of the Earth. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a 1,000 miles an hour the entire planet is
2: hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me, clinging to the skin of this tiny little world. And if we let go, that's who I am. Now forget me, Rose Tyler. Go home.
1: And here we go with our friends at TARDIS wiki. How many things are you all going to want to rip
0: your arms off to throw at your listening device I'll rip my off and
2: throw them at you Ken
0: ready for it oh by the way this is I I edited this down to about half its original size oh thank you Tom that's still far too long
1: (laughs) Rose was the first episode of series one of Doctor Who the first story to be produced by BBC Wales it was both the first new canonical episode of Doctor Who since the 1996 telly movie and the first story to be part of a regularly airing program since survival in 1989 it also introduced recurring supporting cast Camille Kajiri as Jackie Tyler and No Clark as Mickey Smith. An immediate success, the episode set a record of 10.81 million BBC One rating that bested the previous record holder, Robot, and remained the most watched first episode for any new incarnation of The Doctor. The first Doctor Who story to be produced in widescreen, it was also the first single episode 45 minute story, and by extension, the first single episode story since Mission to the Unknown in 1965. Crap! The Five Doctors.
0: That's true. Narratively, oh, yeah, that's well done. Done. Yeah.
1: Narratively, it portrayed the nesting consciousness and autons for the first time on television since Terror of the Autons in 1971. It also introduced a new recurring element in the form of the Shadow Proclamation, contained the first reference to the last great time war and introduced elements about Rose's character. That would be directly referenced in later episodes. Unusually, the introduction of the ninth doctor in no way explained how this incarnation had come to be and failed to explain much of anything about who the doctor was. Failed to explain it who needs it, that's the whole point. Yeah, well, that's well, that's the whole exactly point. It, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not often you attach the word fail to the new series in Rose. Yeah, uh, so it does the job, doesn't it?
2: It really does. Um I was when I, I texted Kenny sort of the other week when I was watching this in preparation, and we were sort of chatting about it and stuff, and I was sort of saying that I could feel I could recite every line because I've watched this episode so many times, run about when it was broadcast and so many times since. You know, I I, I, I can pick no faults in it. it does it, it? You know, no faults in it at all. It does what it it does what it has to do. It sets it all up. It brings the doctor back. Everything that we've said about you know about what was wrong with the TV movie Rose gets right. It's a single writer who's not been you know having his. What his work sort of you know interfered with by anyone else. He's a a clear voice. He knows what he's saying. The doctor is introduced with all you really need to know about him. That he's from somewhere else and he has this time time space machine that looks like a police box and it's bigger on the inside. There were no no mention there in the wiki entry of Billy Piper, um, which is which is was that a bit a bit that you cut out, or no I can't remember. So and and also you know we have to talk about how how um how big a deal it was that Billy Piper was cast because a lot of people were quite skeptical about you know pop star and all that sort of stuff but she's terrific the definitive template for Doctor Who Companion she's she's you know a young female contemporary she's the window in for the audience and, and Eccleston is um he's a little bit self-conscious as he is in some of the other first episodes that he made but he's also he has a real real depth when it, when it's necessary It revisits Spearhead from Space as we know um, we must talk about Mark Benton as Clive he's he's brilliant and he's recently returned and done some stuff for Big Finish which is also really good and I don't really have too much more to say on it because it's I love it. It's fast, and it's funny, and it and it does the job. It reinvents the Doctor, brings it all back without any of the unnecessary baggage. You could come to it, never having seen a Doctor Who in your life before, and you know exactly what was going on, and you more than anything else, you would want to see what happened
1: next. It's funny you should say that, what happened next, because I re-watched this episode uh, last week with my missus, and we're now up to the long game, because we've just carried on watching, mm. which says a lot. I think it's a very, very clever episode. It sets the tone. There's some jokes in there for the adults, with the, well that will never work He's gay and she's an alien And then the fact There's something that I know that a lot of people Don't like the Birking wheelie bin But I think that's actually Very much In the Doctor Who tone It's silly And it very much Gets the attention To make you think well, see, This is different yeah. I mean young kids Would have laughed at that which is, you know, right you, you, want, you want to, you know, young kids,
2: and that's going to want to keep the young kids coming back, you know, if they're entertained.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't particularly like the burping wheelie bin, but I could forgive it I because the rest, it. The, the rest yeah. of the show is could, so brilliant. You could lose yeah. I mean, I
2: think I've, I've seen it sort of said in interviews where Russell sort of debated, you know, with himself whether or not he was going to leave yeah. it in, but yeah,
1: it works. Yeah. I think the whole feel of it is good, I and mean, you're, you're getting to grips. We're sort of learning there's that a whole new world out there. We're seeing it through Rose's eyes, which was what Russell intended all along. The fact that Rose yeah. is so so likeable straight away in fact you can relate to anything we all know somebody like that somebody who's at one point in life we've all known somebody who's worked in a shop and just you know know that they're capable of far more than that and we just haven't you know haven't been given the chance to shine i mean as you mentioned Dave Eggleston's performance is awkward but i think that almost like fits the you know the way it's been retconned with the, the doctor after the time war He's, he's uncomfortable, he's been fighting it, he's been a warrior, he's yeah. lost touch with who he was, but I think, I think and it's this little, is him reconnecting. I think he doesn't really lose that awkwardness, he makes it part of the characterisation, because you know, mm-hmm. the think they get to Boomtown, and he's got that little light flash in his head, he's, he's, he is a bit sort of... Oh, he, also, yeah. he definitely loosens up, but it's definitely, there's an awkwardness in his performance, because yeah. that's not what Christopher Eccleston does, or has done to that point. I think, I mean, I know that I've got a friend who's not a fan of Christopher Eccleston in much he does, but he liked him as the Doctor, I think he's got an effortless charm straight away. He's he's very much he's very watchable. He's you know he walks in and you think who is this guy what's he doing? I mean, I mean let's talk about the outfit as well. It's so state you know it's completely not what you would expect the doctor to wear. Yeah and, and it's and I think it's quite a smart move. It's it was genius, yeah. It's something like. it's like a casual look but at the same time it's obviously very distinct when whenever he goes he's always the guy who's you know, got that outfit I mean, much I mean, it, it, sh- it shows
2: it's another one of Russell's priorities that he wanted to make the Doctor believable and he, he didn't want to put any barriers between anyone you know it would have been fatal if the, if he turned up wearing like the Six Doctors costume for well, example I was going
0: to say John Nathan Turner would not approve of, of Chris Eccleston's no,
2: I mean I, I remember at the time there was still very much a, you used to see it in, sort of in fan videos and the fans that would sort of not really in cosplay at that point but fans who would dress up at the conventions there was always a sort of you know the Victorian, early Edwardian sort of sense that the doctor should dress like that. So it was to have Chris being something that was so immediately contemporary, was um was brilliant because it just, it just took it. it just as I said already, it stripped it back. You know you didn't really. It showed that you didn't really need any outward eccentricity. Then it showed how the eccentricity in very commas had just become built up. And you know, when it, when what this story really does is it showed none of that's necessary. All you really needed is someone who's an outsider and
1: the writing and the performance can carry that yeah. and the mm-hmm. fact that the, the outfit is so easy to copy as well if kids want to dress
0: up as a Doctor yeah, easy no I I, I love this um, partly because you know my first real memory of Doctor Who is Spear from Space the Ottens I, I, I was very excited when there was a rumour that the Ottens were going to return for the five Doctors and they didn't mm. I was disappointed by that um, and I remember reading an article I think it was an SFX magazine uh, when Russell Davis was appointed executive director executive producer And it listed the, I think, the dozen stories that he had sent out to all the series writers to say, this is the kind of thing I want. And one of them was Pyramids of Mars, one was Spearhead from Space. They're basically all of your favourite you know classic doctor stories Mm -hmm. um and 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 i thought that was a very good sign i thought this time they're going to get it right Mm -hmm. Uh, and they did and it was just fantastic now certainly the autons were underused and the, the nesting consciousness was underused because by the nature of our first episode it was about introducing the characters rather than talking about a particular invasion yeah but the humor in it was brilliant um the special effects were good Acting was great. The script was great. It was the music sounds very odd compared to what was to come because
1: mm. you're used to it all being having been done with a proper orchestra. So to have the song synthesized, yes, it sounds great. Murray Gold's superb, but it just says it gives it a, a slightly distinct feel in its own
0: as well. What I remember most actually about it is that the very next day, the Sunday, it was announced that Doctor Who had been re- renewed for a second season and that uh, Christopher Eccleston was leaving. And rumours are that David Tennant, who, oh, was, well. who recently sorry. starred in BBC's Casanova, yeah, <laughs> has been rumoured as a replacement. Well,
1: I, I can give you the tabloid tittle-tattle on this if we've got time. Yeah, why not? The reporter who broke the story was that actually first appeared in the Scottish Daily Mirror by Craig McGill. And he reported that he'd got wind through a contact as the Echo Stim had left. And he hadn't had the best time in the series, which of course we didn't realise at the time. And he'd got wind that Mr. Tennant was going to be taking on the part. And uh, just through m- mutual acquaintances, we were able to confirm this was the case. So I had a tiny bit little part there in uh, confirming that he had <laughs> got the job. It's oh. funny, I remember, because I'd watched, I
2: was I was a big fan, big fan also by that point, because obviously I'd watched Queer as Folk and, and all that, and, and watched, the, watched The Second Coming and sort of thought, you know, it was a wee bit... <laughs> A wee bit um unsubtle, but it was it was great. But yeah, Casanova I'd watched, and I remember um saying to my, my then flatmate, you know, who I hadn't watched, I was saying, the guy playing Casanova was terrific. Ten years time, he'd be a brilliant Doctor Who. And Did it was, you say that? Like, yeah, it's true. We're well, like and ten days. Then, and literally, it was ten days later, and I was just like Ross. Ross was like, "What?" The hell? I was like, "I know," because yeah. at, at that point, there was still a perception that the Doctor, you know, had to be a kind of you know, yeah, a middle-aged, guy, yeah. you know. And um, I, it was it was it was an exciting time. It was it was a nice feeling sort of knowing that it'd come. I mean, do you remember the? I remember the anticipation because, you know, um, of it coming back. I remember, because at that point, um, 2005, I was I was working at HMV in Clydebank. I'd been with HMB for about nearly seven years. I was the, the team leader in the, the Clydebank store. And I remember very clearly sitting, cashing up that Saturday morning, and my head was just... I was having so many flashbacks to sort of new series anticipation in my youth. I remember it was such a... You know, the anticipation was huge. I remember it was such a relief to find out that, you know, everyone had watched it and everyone enjoyed mm. it. It was... I felt... I was so you know, it propriety- was not proprietary, but I was you know vindicated.
0: Yeah, I, we were vindicated. That's exactly it. Yeah, our lifetime's obsession was vindicated, and that Absolutely. was really important actually. So where,
2: where were you in two thousand and five then, Tom?
0: I when the series when when Rose was broadcast, I was uh, in the middle of a general election campaign. Right. I was standing for re-election. Um. And I've said this before, I think, even on this podcast, that the BBC invited some MPs, not not very many of us, to watch Rose uh, privately before it was broadcast. Mm-hmm. It was quite a bit before. Right. And in fact, it was so successful, and so many people wanted to see it. When we went back and said to people about it, they held another showing, and I went back a second time. <laughs> and, and my mate, Craig, who was my best man, who was a big fan, who lived in Brighton at the time, I said, like, come along. And I was really pushing it because they hadn't got a formal invitation, and he just came in. With, He's with me, <laughs> and, 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 he, and, so, and he got in, and it yeah. was fine. So I, I, it was broadcast. That was the third time I'd seen it, and uh, one of the times, I think, the very first time. Tim Collins, who was a trans- shadow transport secretary Tory MP, and he was a huge Doctor Who fan. In fact, he appears in uh, I think it's the Earthchuck. Right, yeah. All right, yeah. Um, yeah. And he was he was with us, and when he lost his seat in two thousand five, I therefore was raised to the most senior Doctor Who Doctor fan, fan in the right. Commons. Um, Why did you not end up on a DVD extra? That I minis- know. That's, that's what I want to I know. know. That's a ministerial post, isn't that's it? A ministerial post post is, yeah. yes. <laughs> At the time, Julie Gardner was was produ- was. You know, presenting it to his. Uh, Russell yeah. wasn't there, and there was this MP called Robert Key. who's a nice guy. He's a tour MP for Salisbury. Salisbury. yeah. And he. I've got a good story about Salisbury. He came along <laughs> and uh, and was very scathing. I mean, he he just said, "Can I just ask? Is this supposed to be a comedy?" And and I who, saw who was, I saw who was he with. Conservative, right? And I saw Julie's face. Fall and she was crestfallen because oh. she doing it seriously, and I made sure that I was my hand was up next to say what a, you know as a long-term fan. This is absolutely brilliant, well done. And I spoke to her afterwards and, and tried to reassure her, but she was you could tell she That's was really upset. But awful. <clears throat> but it turns out Robert was wrong and the rest of the country was right. Yeah, I would have voted for you in two thousand and five. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure I did.
1: Oh, I don't live in the constituency, but I wanted to.
0: Well, I won. I won that one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I had another ten years to go yeah. before the.
1: Where, um, where where were you in
2: 2005? Thinking.
1: Yeah. I was at that point at the Rutherglen reformer. And of course. The week, the week that Doctor Who came back, I did a feature on Rutherglen's four connections with Doctor Who: Hamish Wilson from the other Jamie, Russell Hunter, who is of course Commander Yvanov. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Andrew Smith, writer of Full Circle. And Nicholas Parsons, who started his career with Rutherglen Rep as an actor. Oh, I didn't know that. There you go, that's interesting.
0: This has been a slightly longer um, edition for obvious reasons, because these are three very important um, adventures that we had to discuss, so it's taken a bit longer on this particular episode. Follow us on Twitter at Power of Three Pod, that's three as a number, Power of Three Pod. We also have a Facebook page where you can leave comments, suggestions, and of course listen to previous episodes of this podcast. So from me, Tom, it's Cheerio. Goodbye, everyone. Be good. And somewhere else, the tea's getting cold. Bye-bye. One
1: banana, two banana, three
0: banana, four Four bananas
1: make a bunch of soda, many more Over hill and highway, the banana buggies go Coming off to bring you the banana split show Making up a mess of fun. Making up a mess of fun. Lots of fun for everyone